Hello, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit in Tel Aviv. Israel's top military brass, its leading politicians and defense experts, convened last week for the annual conference of the INSS, the Institute for National Security Studies. The featured speakers included Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, Defense Minister Benny Gantz, Foreign Minister Yair Lapid, and former Army Chief Gadi Eisenkot. While Israel has not been engaged in a war uh, for some 15 years, except the, for the occasional short rounds of violence with Gaza, the annual assessment of the prestigious think tank identifies three key threats facing the country. Two are external, one is domestic. Externally, the Palestinian time bomb continues to tick while Iran continues its rush to a nuclear bomb and its expansion in the region, using proxies like Hezbollah to gain foothold along Israel's borders. The domestic threat stems from the growing divisions tearing apart Israeli society and the collapse of public trust in state institutions, including the IDF, which enjoyed the status of a sacred cow for many, many years. On Iran, the Institute's experts recommend greater coordination with the US, along with the discretion and strengthening mutual trust. The Iran threat is not limited to its nuclear ambitions, and Israel is advised to prepare various and modular military and other solutions and to abandon its all-for-nothing approach. Instead, the experts recommend that Israel take advantage of Iran's many weaknesses, leverage the so-called war between the wars, and use it to deal with Iran's precision missile program in Lebanon. Our guest today is a leading researcher at the National Security uh, Institute, Brigadier General Asaf Orion, was head of the strategic division in the IDF's planning directorate. He is a veteran intelligence uh, hand who managed Israel's ties with UNIFIL and the South Lebanon Army at the time, and is uh, intimately familiar with Israel's threat fronts. He joins us right after this break. I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department Correspondent at Al Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell. I'm Al Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it, this past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let Al Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to Al Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. Now I'm happy to welcome and say hello to our podcast, uh, Brigadier General Asaf Orion. Shalom Asaf, thank you for joining us here in, on Israel in Al Monitor. Shalom Ben, thank you for inviting. 
So let's start with a general question. Uh, in an interview I recently conducted with Prime Minister Bennett, he said Israel must recognize that the world is changing and there is no longer only one cap, meaning the United States. Instead, there are multiple actors in each arena, including the Middle East. And Bennett hinted that Israel must form deterrent alliance or alliances maybe with some of these actors in order to change the balance of power in the region and even try to replace departing US forces. How does this uh, square with last week's American commando operation in uh, Northern Syria that took out the leader of Daesh? And do you share Bennett's views? And how do you see the current balance of power in the Middle East? Uh, well, Ben, it, it's a big question uh, asking for uh, or calling for a zoom out to the big picture. And the underlying tectonics is the pivot or the shifting uh, American focus from the global war on terror to the strategic uh, competition with China or the great power competition. And the latest uh, assault in uh, Syria is another operation in the outgoing uh, campaign whose uh, focus was Middle Eastern, but uh, now it's no longer a main American uh, effort, but the secondary one. And indeed, uh, in the last decade, uh, America has been speaking about the Pacific century, about pivoting to Asia. And Asia is the uh, rising center of gravity in uh, global economy and in strategic terms. So uh, recent years saw the US uh, enhancing its effort to pivot. And America, unlike uh, the rumors in the Middle East that America is, uh, has left and so on, it's still the strongest, the most prominently uh, present in military terms and the most desirable as a security guarantor in, in the region. The thing is that the US, despite its large uh, um, military presence in the region, has grown tired of the Middle East. It, it wants to uh, shift gears uh, to Asia. And she, uh, it seems that it, uh, the US has lost its appetite to uh, use force for strategic purposes. And this is why uh, we, we now identify a kind of uh, deterrence deficit uh, by America uh, when its uh, military footprint has more or less stayed the same or diminished, uh, diminished uh, slightly, but its reputational footprint has suffered um, more seriously, a kind of uh, a special kind of uh, a wall that's uh, absent without leaving. And uh, this uh, flows into the level of regional aggression, mostly by Iran and its proxies, but uh, it also flows to the Vienna uh, negotiation uh, tables. Now, when uh, America uh, uh, seems to be leaving or uh, suffers this uh, reputational deficit, the aggression of Iran and its attacks on the US forces in Saudi Arabia and the Emirates uh, are ongoing. America is not responding in a painful and a cost-connected uh, 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 response. And so Iran and its proxies feel emboldened and actually uh, notch up their aggression. Uh, 
And this uh, brings the uh, regional uh, countries uh, to seek how to mitigate the, the threats. Uh, first step is, is trying to diplomacy through diplomacy and uh, let's say conflict uh, uh, decreasing uh, between the Gulf states and, and uh, Qatar, between the Gulf states and Iran, but also building a military force and uh, enhancing their cooperation with others. Now, Israel comes with very relevant uh, capabilities uh, in this field, and it's perceived as a very important asset in uh, regional security. And it can also share some of the burden of uh, the US uh, and helping uh, the US to actually shift uh, its gravity eastwards. However, when we speak about uh, no longer only one cup, uh, you can hear some voices saying, oh, other great powers will step in and fill the vacuum. Uh, but uh, seriously, there are not, uh, not really any other uh, cups or great power filling, uh, filling the, uh, the cup uh, uh, station. But the other powers are coming to fill different functions like arms, <clears throat> arms dealers, uh, builders of uh, nuclear uh, um, reactors, construction uh, contractors uh, for infrastructure, telecommunication uh, uh, infrastructure uh, builders, investors, and of course, trade partners. And if, if we need uh, to uh, drill down a bit, China definitely doesn't uh, seem as a security guarantor in the region, doesn't see itself as such, and it focuses on economy, on diplomacy, without committing itself to any uh, serious cause or taking sides uh, in conflicts. And it, we still see uh, initial buds of uh, military presence in the region by China. Uh, Russia, however, is focused on Assad, sometimes in Libya. It enjoys a very small force relentlessly operated in Syria, but it, uh, 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 Russia doesn't have the weight, the economic weight, and it won't come all the way to protect uh, the Gulf countries from Iran. And this on only uh, reiterates the role for Israel. So I wouldn't say that uh, uh, Israel is replacing or can replace the US in the region, but it can uh, step up and share some burden and help its uh, new partners uh, face the Iran threat. Very interesting indeed. Um, I, I also hosted uh, last week Foreign Minister Efraim uh, Sneh uh, on this podcast, and he suggested that Israel, uh, talking about uh, stepping in, uh, that Israel will establish a regional defense alliance with Arab Sunni states as a force multiplier against Iran. The recent visits by Bennett, Gantz, and Lapid in the Gulf, the security cooperation agreement signed with Morocco and Bahrain, and probably soon with the Emirates, indicates that such an alliance is indeed taking shape. Do you see this as an effective strategy for blocking Iran? Well, Iran is, uh, is an immediate and imminent uh, threat uh, to Israel and to Israel's uh, neighborhood. Uh, Iran, uh, in, a, in a way, a bit like Nokia, is connecting people because it brings uh, the, the region, regional countries uh, closer together and closer to Israel. 
to pool resources uh, together and to mutually support each other. It is difficult to contend with this uh, threat alone. It's better to do it uh, together. And as uh, Churchill said, there's only one thing worse than fighting with allies, and that is fighting without them. Uh, but uh, that being said, we need to be realistic. Uh, the different countries in the uh, region differ on the priority, the urgency, the sense of threat, and the uh, readiness to shoulder risk or to take risk uh, in, in this conflict. And in the famous uh, double-decker London bus of Middle Eastern uh, diplomacy, uh, the lower deck was teeming with uh, action. Uh, the upper deck, the, the more overt uh, side, was uh, less uh, active. But the Abraham Accords certainly helped uh, the regional countries and Israel uh, go to the, to the upper deck and, and play uh, more publicly, as, as uh, manifested in the uh, visit that you, uh, that you mentioned. But a lot is still going on on the lower deck. Now, in a divided region like ours, um, let's say a defense alliance is a bit a stronger term for what uh, is, is possible. But we certainly see some kind of a security and defense partnership, also under the aegis of CENTCOM, which uh, Israel joined uh, last uh, year and already uh, taking part in uh, naval exerciser, naval exercises uh, um, alongside uh, other navies from the country and also bilaterally, like you see with the Emirates, with Bahrain, with Morocco, and also uh, with Saudi Arabia. So uh, the question is not if this can block Iran, but it can certainly uh, provide a more secure environment and more secure response uh, against Iran's uh, threats uh, to Israel and to other like-minded countries around us. How worried uh, should Israel be by the growing tensions between the US and NATO and Putin's Russia, which also impacts uh, our region? Will we have to choose sides at some point or can we keep maneuvering between them? It's, uh, it's a great question. Uh, well, first goes, for, uh, goes first, you know, for Israel. I, I'm, I'm we're talking about the Ukraine mainly, of course. I never yes, mentioned yes. it. Yes. But, but uh, let's, uh, let's go back to, to the beginning. For Israel, the top priority is Iran, Iran nuclear threat, Iran regional threat, uh, Iran's uh, uh, evident effort to destroy Israel. But at the same time, Israel also understands that for the US, China is top priority. Now, the Ukraine crisis added another urgent uh, uh, problem to the American priority list. And it sucks away more attention from uh, issues that are important to Israel, such as Iran. And these are, these are not good news from uh, Israel's uh, perspective. Now, about Israel having to choose, we often hear uh, this uh, uh, sentence that Israel has to choose, for instance, between the US and China, and now you mentioned uh, between the US and Russia. It's a tricky question, and even, I would say, a little uh, manipulative. And uh, in the China uh, context, you could also almost uh, say this is part 
of a, uh, a wider approach, which I uh, uh, gladly uh, coin as a chastity belt and road approach. Oh, Israel should choose between the US and China. Well, Israel has already chosen. Uh, the U United States of America is uh, Israel's irreplaceable strategic ally and the depth of uh, our relations has no parallel with other countries. The, the, this is second to none. Uh, at the same time, at least the US administration, it doesn't really uh, ex expect a monopoly on uh, Israel's relation. That means that Israel would cut its uh, uh, relations with Russia which is our uh, military neighbor uh, in Syria, or uh, sever uh, our ties with uh, China, an important um, economic partner for Israel and also for the USA. Uh, uh, so things that Washington itself doesn't do, uh, we need to, uh, to pay attention to. America has a complicated, uh, diverse, uh, complex, uh, relations with the other uh, powers. And uh, the US administration uh, said with China, we are going to cooperate, to compete, and to counter. Israel doesn't have to counter China. It doesn't have to counter Russia. We need to uh, strive to uh, strengthen our strategic relations with the US to develop uh, fruitful and safe relations with China, mostly on economy, and to maintain agreements and understanding with Russia, uh, with which we share an airspace and a military, uh, let's say, seam line uh, in our, on our northern uh, frontier. How do you think Israel can help the United Arab Emirates, which has suddenly become the punching bag of the Houthis who get their orders, of course, from Tehran? Can we do something in order to make it easier for them? Uh, yes, unfortunately, history, uh, history uh, taught Israel a long line uh, of attacks uh, by Iran and its proxies and it gave us a very rich uh, operational experience of fighting against them. In fact, in the last four decades, we're fighting mostly Iran's proxies, and we uh, now face uh, threats from its uh, flagship, the Hezbollah in Lebanon, and at the same time in Syria, in Gaza, in Iraq, and in Yemen. Now the current uh, generation, I would say, of threats are mainly fire threats, that's rockets, missiles, both ballistic and cruise missiles, uh, un unmanned aerial uh, systems, aerial attack systems, and cyber. Fortunately, uh, this experience allowed us uh, to develop strategies, technologies, and doctrines, which are let's say, cutting edge of, of what uh, is deployed worldwide. Uh, and if, if you look at the whole system, uh, there are aspects of uh, intelligence, early warning, warning the populace uh, to, to be able to protect itself, uh, multi-tier or multi-layer uh, interception uh, systems, but also uh, offensive response actually 
suppressing the, the fire assets even before they shoot. And uh, if you go even further uh, to disrupting the logistics and, uh, and development and production and deployment uh, processes that Iran fields uh, its uh, technologies forward to uh, closer frontiers uh, to its foes, both Israel, Saudi Arabia, and UAE. So Israel can help the UAE at least in uh, knowledge, in information, in weapon systems, as much as the uh, parties will agree, and definitely uh, integrate into an, an integrative air defense suit uh, of the Emirates uh, and uh, actually enhance what's already going on uh, with the US support. So in fact, what we see is this culmination or, uh, or uh, coming to fruition of both the Abram Accords, Israel joining CENTCOM, uh, our long uh, defense uh, dialogue with the Emirates and the very imminent uh, Iranian threat. Let's talk about what we in Hebrew say the elephant in the room, and I'm, uh, I'm talking about, of course, the ongoing negotiations in Vienna. What, in your view, is the most likely scenario? A new agreement, a return to the old agreement, a blow-up, or uh, maybe continue the foot dragging? And what do you think Israel should do in each one of these scenarios? I would, uh, I would say that uh, initially uh, the parties uh, to the talks are not interested in the talks being uh, busted or stopped in a big crisis, uh, you know, what you call the blow up. So I think that's the, uh, the lowest probability. A word of caution here is, in, like in uh, military escalation, diplomatic talks, there's uncertainty. It's a dynamic where actors uh, may conduct themselves against their own interests and escalate miscalculating. So it's not necessarily what they mean, but it sometimes happens. Uh, now, new agreement, uh, or what can be perhaps described as a longer and stronger, it doesn't seem to be in the cards. Even America stopped uh, talking about the longer and stronger. Iran seems uh, quite confident and it doesn't seem to have the reason to go there uh, seriously. So I would uh, discount that as a low probability. Now, foot dragging is possible for some time, maybe even with an interim, maybe less for less agreement, as long as the parties, mainly the US, doesn't limit it in time. But at the longer term, uh, Iran's progress to the nuclear threshold during the negotiation renders the agreement, if it's the old agreement or uh, perhaps a new one to, uh, to a less relevant uh, uh, document or reality. And America is signaling that uh, we heard within weeks it will be irrelevant, but it's saying uh, the same thing for a few months now. So without an, a domestic or public uh, red line, this can go on. Eventually, uh, it, it's difficult to say uh, uh, during how, how long or how near uh, we are to that, it's probable that there will be a nominal 
return to the old uh, agreement. But it's difficult, it's, it's uh, difficult to, to see that there's no going back to an old agreement because realistically you can't enter the same river twice. Uh, if we return today to the 2015 agreement, we don't get any more a year between an Iranian uh, decision and their uh, achievement of uh, a first uh, significant quantity of fissile material as it was back in 2015. Also, there is probably not going to be uh, 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 some delay in, uh, in the sunset. And that means that the limitations uh, expiring on Iran stay the same as they've been in 2015, but we are 17, seven year, years closer uh, to that point. So it's becoming even more challenging. And uh, the bottom line is that, uh, hence the beyond just the paper agreement or uh, the situation of the negotiation, uh, it's very important not to uh, take our eyes off the ball. And that means to, uh, to understand the physical, and I would say even uh, uh, nuclear situation in the project, in the stockpile of uh, uranium in, uh, enriched to several layers, in the inspection and monitoring regime, and in steps that will be uh, defined uh, to the next phases uh, for a situation in which Iran violates uh, the the, um, uh, the newly uh, achieved uh, agreement or when the limitation self expire when the sunset uh, comes and darkness falls we've out of time but i will not let you go without uh, these last two issues i'll be very uh, uh, thankful if you uh, answer me this time shortly first of all talking about Turkey, warming of relations with Turkey in recent months. The Turkish president is courting Israel like a Latin lover. And Israel's president Herzog is expected to visit uh, Turkey next month. Do you see this only in terms of Turkish interests in Israel's uh, natural gas reserves? And how should Israel maneuver between uh, the same story here too, Turkey on one side, and on the other hand, Greek and, uh, and Cyprus uh, that are Israeli allies and also interests uh, in Israeli natural gas? The current stage of uh, Turkey's uh, approach to Israel is a reflection of its uh, internal politics and its uh, regional uh, uh, diplomacy. Um, Erdogan is not in the best uh, position these days. He went from zero problems with the neighbors to zero neighbors without a problem, finding itself quite uh, isolated, but very aggressive to, towards Cyprus, Greece, uh, the Mediterranean and Israel. And as we described with Iran, uh, Erdogan connected the people and brought it, uh, its victims, uh, his victims uh, closer together, Israel, Greece, uh, Cyprus, Egypt, uh, France, Italy, uh, the UAE, and even the PA in the East Mediterranean uh, gas uh, forum. So our relations are not only about gas, but also about security. Israel, Greece, and uh, Cyprus are having a serious uh, security uh, partnership, as, as you can see in uh, the IDF commando training in uh, Cyprus, in uh, their joining the uh, Israeli Air Force exercises and, and so on. 
And as I said before, Israel, uh, uh, it's very important for Israel that Turkey doesn't turn into an enemy state, but it doesn't also want to uh, reinforce its weight on issues uh, important to Israel. And uh, uh, first and foremost, the Palestinian issue and the East Med. So I believe there will be, uh, let's say, a controlled and sober uh, thaw uh, between Israel and Turkey. Turkey will not uh, go back to being our strategic ally, but uh, perhaps it will be uh, less harsh and hostile towards Israel, and that's a good thing. And it's unbelievable that only in the last question we've reached the Palestinian uh, issue uh, and we shoved it into a very far corner. The Netanyahu governments were busy undermining the PA while boosting Hamas. The current government is trying to shift course and hold a stick uh, at both ends in Gaza and in Ramallah. Does the status quo serve Israel? If not, what would you advise in order to prevent the slide into a one-state solution? I, I believe that uh, first the, the description that the Netanyahu governments uh, sought to marginalize the Palestinian issue and to shape uh, by facts on the ground a reality that would prevent a future Palestinian state is, is a good uh, description. However, the status quo is a bit of an illusion because the situation is not static. It's not standing. It's flowing. Uh, this is uh, uh, something that to perhaps uh, be better uh, called fluxus uh, quo, because the trends that uh, our policy are leading to are, in fact, a moderate slope towards uh, not a one-state solution, but to a one-state reality. And very likely this uh, reality will be a bloody civil war and not a situation, you know, a civilized uh, country uh, dealing it, uh, with its uh, problems in parliamentary activity. Now, the PA is now in the twilight of the Abbas uh, government years and uh, the uh, succession- It's a very, struggles. very long twilight, I have to say. Well, <laughs> people's longe longevity is part of that. Yeah. But uh, the succession, uh, um, struggles already began uh, from within the PA and also by Hamas uh, seeking to, to be the overlord of, of that uh, theater. And today we don't have a Palestinian leadership who can decide on a, a political solution to deliver and to survive. And at the same time, the political uh, situation in Israel uh, doesn't allow uh, great steps for uh, solving the, the, or resolving the conflict. And this is why what we uh, need to be uh, doing, and I think we're doing part of, uh, part of that, is stabilizing both uh, sectors, both Gaza and the West Bank, by economic efforts and security uh, enforcement, in including with security coordination with the PA, and with the great support uh, by the international system and by regional actors like Qatar and, and others. Uh, at the same time, we need to uh, preserve the option for a future uh, political arrangement by stopping the creep and the entanglement of uh, our population. And this entanglement, inten intentional entanglement, uh, prevents decoupling uh, in the future. And we need to uh, promote 
future conditions to uh, agreements uh, in the future and their uh, successful implementation when the political conditions will uh, allow that. And doing this, we need still to preserve and to uh, strengthen the PA and its security forces, because these are the partners that we have at least for counterterrorism and security, and maybe on the long term, in the long term, uh, for also for political arrangements. Brigadier General Asafurion, it was very, very interesting. I uh, thank you very much again for joining us here in Al Monitor. Todaraba uh, Asaf, thank you very much. We will take now a short break and come back with some final thoughts right after this. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Good night. Bye bye. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and Normal Sup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Al Monitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thanks for uh, staying with us. It was a very interesting uh, conversation. And let's start with uh, uh, what Israel should do uh, maneuvering between the superpowers here in uh, the Middle East, uh, the evacuation of uh, America, the interests of China and Russia, etc. Uh, so uh, Brigadier General Asaf Yon said that, uh, yes, the, the United States is talking about uh, strategic competition with China. And he said that the assault uh, in Syria a few days ago uh, that, uh, that killed eventually the, the, of the, the commander of Daesh, of ISIS, uh, uh, resembles a secondary Amer American effort. Uh, America is, uh, is talking about the Pacific, but unlike the rumors, said Asafirion, uh, the United States is still the strongest and most prominent power in the region, uh, what happened is that uh, the Americans got uh, maybe grown tired. Uh, they lost uh, their appetite to use force for strategic reasons. And uh, what he called the, the, the situation here is, a, uh, is a, a deterrence deficit that calls in Iran and its proxies to respond. And uh, actually, Iran and its proxies are uh, feeling uh, emboldened. So what Israel has to do with its allies, uh, many allies in the region, is to work on a strategic answer to enhance cooperation alliances uh, and, and, and to hope that uh, it will be able to, to create a, a new deterrence in the region. But uh, Brigadier General Orion said, uh, do not be mistaken, we are not having now a different World Cup, instead the United States of America. There is not such a thing. 
Uh, what, what Israel and, and the UAE and, and Bahrain and uh, many other, uh, maybe other countries will do is try to fill uh, maybe different functions, but it is not a real dominant world power. China is not a... a and when, when he spoke about China and Russia, he said uh, that China is not... A, a security guarantor in the region. Russia is neither. They are all focused in their uh, local uh, and economic uh, interests. So, uh, and, and Russia does not have the, the economic weight to replace the United States. So Israel and its allies can step up and try to, uh, to replace or bridge a part of the vacuum that uh, was created when the Americans uh, stepped back. Talking about the alliances or the alliance that Israel is trying to establish here in the Middle East, he, he, he used a very nice replica uh, when he said that uh, Iran is like Nokia, connecting people. This is the Nokia slogan. So uh, the, the creator of, the, of this alliance is the fear from, uh, from uh, Iran. And he also quoted Churchill, Winston Churchill, who said there is only... Uh, one thing worse than uh, fighting with allies, uh, uh, which is fighting without them. And he also said that uh, using the term of uh, defense alliances uh, or defense treaties is too strong. When talking about Israel and, uh, and its allies here, maybe talking about partnership in security matters under CENTCOM is more accurate. He also mentioned that Israel is not, uh, does not have to choose between uh, the United States or China or Russia because Israel has already chosen uh, long ago uh, because uh, uh, the United States of America is irreplaceable as a strategic ally uh, and second to none. But he said that the, Amer the Americans are, don't expect from Israel to cut the ties with uh, China or Russia, uh, and we don't have to, uh, to counter China or Russia instead of the Americans. We can uh, maintain fruitful uh, relations with China economically, and uh, we can keep our security uh, uh, agreements and cooperation with uh, Russia vis-a-vis -vis the, the Syrian front, and nothing will happen. When I asked him about uh, how can Israel help the United Arab uh, Emirates uh, that is under attack from the Houthis in the last few weeks, he said that uh, Israel is very, maybe the most experienced country in uh, uh, fighting Iran's proxies. And the Houthis are uh, uh, Iran's proxies, and we can, we can help the UAE with knowledge, information, intelligence, weapon systems, and especially integrated uh, air defense uh, systems and units. I hope you found it uh, interesting, and uh, we will meet here again uh, next week in the same place and the same time. I'm Ben Kaspit in Tel Aviv. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.